they do right. not view mm-hmm. us as human. Our black right. bodies are not of value or of worth. The manner in which they respond to us, whether we are fighting with each other, whether we are a threat by a slant eye, whether we are behind a wheel, it is all about what you can do mm. with chattel, not what you can do with humans. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Black versus the Board of Education. My name is Miss Laureen, and I am kind of like the captain of the ship. And right now, we're going to bring in our co-hosts for today. Uh, you may see some new faces, but we're going to have the same down-to-earth conversation. So let's bring them in right now. Uh, why don't we go through and reintroduce ourselves uh, for those of us uh, who were here last week and this week? We'll start with Alex. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Mom. Hi guys, my name is Alex. I'm 17, a senior in high school, and I'm excited to be here. So I believe what she said is she's 17, <laughs> and Sorry. she's a senior in high school. <laughs> yes. All right, yes. go ahead, Trinity. Trinity, go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh, hi guys. Um, I'm Trinity. I'm a junior at Laguna Creek High School, and I'm very excited to be here and have a great discussion with you all. Perfect. We we welcome you back into this space. Melissa, go ahead and introduce yourself, my returning champion. Come on and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Melissa. I'm a ninth grader down here in Southern California, and I'm excited to be here and have a conversation. Perfect. And so we have two new faces today. Uh, Janice is joining the crew. Go ahead and introduce yourself, love. What is up, everybody? It is Janice. I am 14 years old, and I am a freshman in high school. All right, so we got two freshmen. Okay, all right, we'll see. We see y'all. And last but not least, rounding out our lineup today, uh, Rich, go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. What's good, y'all? How y'all doing? My name is Rich Davis. Uh, I graduated school already. Uh, graduated from UC Davis, uh, but I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you told us the college you graduated from, but what high school did you go to? Just so uh, the folks look. Oh yeah, can, can know. I went to I went to Whitney High School in uh, Rockland, California. Whitney in Rockland, and I actually uh, am a product of Elk Grove Unified. I went to Valley High School, so uh, I I think we all have a little bit of experience with the high school level. Um, and so today we decided to talk about, um, and you guys picked this topic. You said uh, we n- we are not who you think we are. Um, can you tell us what exactly were you referring to when you decided um, that this is the topic you guys wanted to cover this week? Uh, and I'll start with Trin. What do you What do you think? Why Why did you guys settle on this? Um, because I feel like a lot of the times, um, well, I think what we're going to be covering this uh, this this top uh, or this episode um, is discipline. Um, that's the main thing. But I think a lot of people misconceive black students um, to be to be misbehaved and to be disrespectful and to be, you know, ruthless, if you will, when we're not. And, you know, people, uh, teachers especially, uh, and police obviously, uh, tend to be threatened by the color of our skin and don't even take the chance to look at who we are as people and who we are as individual uh, individuals. Okay. And so uh, would you agree with that assessment, Alex? What, what would you say? Would you agree with that? Yes, I agree with it 100%. I believe that a lot of times people look at us as there's always like a broad generalization and we're always criminalized of our skin colors. So I really think that the title, we're not who you think we are, you know, we're going to show you guys this other layer. Um, and also why we think that people think that we are so criminalizing and you know all these other things that they kind of throw at us without actually getting to know us and I think that today we're going to get rid of that generalization. 
Okay. I, now, do you think we're going to be able to get rid of it all the way, or do you think that we're going to have to peel back some layers? And I, I see you wanted to jump in there, Janice. What were you going to say? There are so many layers that need to be peeled back, but I feel like today is assessing like where that came from, how that came to be the part to where if a, someone, a woman in the elevator, she's a black man with tattoos, she clutches her purse. Like, how did it come to be to part like that? How did it come to be officers always staring at the black students when they come to the high schools, always coming into the classes where there are most of the black kids in there? Like, how did that come to part? So I feel like this is what this episode will be assessing. Okay. And Melissa, um, when we're talking about assessing certain things, um, do you think that the teachers have a misconception of how brilliant or what black students are capable of? Yes, there's definitely a misconception because of all of the stereotype of black students and black men, just black people in general. There's so many stereotypes that people will look at. And so it it burdens us and it stops people from thinking that we can do so many great things. So it definitely needs to be removed and the black students need to be understood. Now, Rich, you're the only male representing today. Uh, would you think? Do you think that black males are looked at differently in the school system as as uh, compared to their counterparts? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, coming through my whole education, I think rather than being focused on, you know, what I'm learning or what my interests were in education, I was more focused on fitting in. Um, and that's a huge, that's a huge point. I think most black men have to deal with, you know, there's that, that code switching that has to go on that really kind of, um, it really kind of um, prohibits yourself from learning the, the way that everyone else does. That other counterparts do not have to do. Mm. Well, we're going to get right into the discussion because there's no, no lead, no need to really belabor the point. I have a video for you guys. I want you to uh, take a look at it and then we'll come back and discuss it. The family of a teenage girl is demanding a school resource officer be fired and arrested after he was caught on camera body slamming the student. Now, before we show you the video, a warning, it might be difficult to watch. This cell phone video of the violent confrontation is now making the rounds on social media. The student has been identified as 16-year-old Taylor Bracey, a junior at Liberty High School in Osceola County. Her mother says she's now suffering from headaches, blurry vision, memory loss, and that's not it. She's very traumatized at this, this moment, and so are we. In a statement, the attorney for that school resource officer, Osceola County Deputy Ethan Fournier, says when a video like this comes out, which shows only a small portion of the story, the media and the public tend to jump to the conclusion that the use of force was excessive without knowing what led to the use of force. Use of force in this case was, in fact, justified. I was just shocked that a grown man who's supposed to be a professional. He's a law enforcement officer supposed to de protect and defend our children while they're at school. He literally puts her arm behind her back where she's totally defenseless and then picks her up and slams her head first into the concrete, knocking her unconscious. And then to add insult to injury, he puts her in handcuffs. This is not acceptable. We do not allow you to treat our children this way and think that it's okay. You know, her mother is um, just disappointed, angry, outraged because she did not know about the video when they called her to the school. Nobody told her any of this happened that a uh, sheriff's school resource officer slammed her daughter. And so when she saw the video, it all made sense why Taylor kept saying that my head is hurting really bad, that it's real simple. Um, we see the video and then they try to say, oh, well, there was an altercation, even though that's even disputed. 
even if there was an altercation. This is a school resource officer. He's supposed to be trained to deal with foreseeable incidents that might happen in a school. So are you telling me as many children, young people get emotional, that this is how you deal with the situation? The department says you're supposed to use the minimum force necessary. And insult on top of injury, they're talking about trying to charge this little black girl with uh, resisting arrest uh, and, and with violence against this officer. They need to be investigating and charging him with aggravated battery on a child. Because remember, this is a child. I know they want to uh, make our children always be grown, but we love our children. She is a child, and this is unacceptable. All right, everybody, take a breath. Take a breath. Okay. Uh, Melissa, as the video was playing, uh, <laughs> I saw you shaking your head. Uh, what was the most, um, what stuck out to you the most about the video? And somebody is moving and I'm hearing some, some feedback. So watch that. Go ahead, Melissa. The fact that they said it was justified, that they tried to justify it and that they're trying to charge her. She didn't do anything. She did not resist arrest. He gave her a concussion. That's not resisting arrest. They tried to justify it by saying that she was being aggressive or whatever. And there's no justification for a grown man to body slam a teenage girl. Janice, you, you leaning forward. So that must mean you want to pop off. So go ahead. <laughs> that was so unacceptable. Because for one, you're an officer. When you sign up to do that job, when you sign up, you go through that training all of those months before you officially become an officer, you know what you what is up against. You are signing up to protect people, to protect and serve. That is not protecting and that is not serving. That is not serving at all. You're supposed to be at schools to promote good deeds, to promote being kind, to promote gentleness, to promote there is another way to do things. That's not that's not okay. Like that is so terrible. And it's as if they tried to say, well, this, there's only a video and a clip that went viral. Well, we've seen what happened. There's nothing more that we need to see. Like we've seen what he did. And obviously you guys, like what Melissa was saying, justification for that, that's terrible. Yeah. Trinity? Um, I 100% uh, agree with what Melissa and Janice were saying. Um, it's an, it's unacceptable. Like, that's the bottom line. You know, regardless of whatever happened, whatever she got into, it is not okay for a grown man to slam a teenage girl into the concrete. Um, now she has, uh, you know, effects because of that. She's traumatized and she has physical body. She's physically harmed from that incident. Um you know, I, you know, I don't even know what to say. Like I'm speechless. It, I, when I saw, when I first saw that video, it hurt me. Like, it was like, you know, that could be one of my friends, you know what I mean? That could be someone I know and that hurts or it could even be me, you know, like that hurts. So, yeah. Alex. Yeah, I agree with what Evan is saying. I was thinking about taking a little step further, you know, what Trinity was saying, you know, she's going to be scarred. This is going to traumatize her for a long period of time. You know, and then they turn around and they ask, why are you guys afraid of the police? Or why are you guys afraid of this, this, and this? Well, if someone who's here to protect me is body slamming me, or people who look like me on the floor, then I'm not going to feel safe here. And especially out in the world with people or police who have, um, like, higher power and can do more things. So I just think, um, if you think about it in that way, you know, I this is this is not okay. And I know why we are scared of police and other special forces now because of our skin color. So if they can do that in a public school, you know, it's like to what extent, like how big are they gonna make this and how much are they gonna, how long are they gonna carry this type of behavior out? Do you think, uh, Rich, do you think black students have a, a right to be fearful or do they have a reason to be fearful of uh, law enforcement on their campuses? Absolutely. I think um, I know when I was on when I was on my high school campus, I was afraid of the of the officers that were on campus. Um, it's just not there's I mean, everywhere 
other relationship with officers is just not a good one. You know, there's rules that are in place. You know, you don't look at an officer when you're in a car with your friends and all stuff like that. Like you don't look at him in the car and all these things. And, you know, of course it's, it's true. And, you know, social media and the news and everything has just made it more possible to show how true that is, how real that fear is. Um, because now we see it every day, all the time. Yeah. And do you think, um, and anybody can answer this, do you think there's a such thing as a good police officer? And have you been exposed to those police officers on your school campuses? I think that there is a such thing as a good police officer, because that's kind of like one of the quotas that some women who have been unsuccessful in relationships say, oh, there's no good men out here. There are good people in this world. It's just discerning and finding those people to be present within your student body. And I feel like as school and administrations run schools, they need to be doing their job and be on that because their job is to protect their students too. So how are you letting this man on your campus without even doing a little history, like even putting them in the possible decisions. Like when you uh, apply for a job, what would you do if you're in this situation? Why, like, why didn't that questioning come to part? Why didn't you at least try to assess like his character and who he was before you let him out on campus with your children? And now the school is getting sued. Like, obviously <laughs> that could have been prevented. Why don't you guys be proactive? You complain no funding or whatever. Well, I mean, I understand why. They're suing you because you're not protecting their students. That's why you don't have any funding. And so I think that um, the bigger thing, though, is there's a couple of layers to this story. And I tried to cut the video in a way um, to show those layers. So the, the number one issue for me is they called the mom to tell her something happened to her daughter, but they did not tell her that she was slammed by an officer. Uh, is that a mistake or do you think they were trying to cover something up? Like, what, what do you guys think? I think they were absolutely trying to cover something up because just like, just like they're trying to protect that, that officer for doing what he did. Like they don't, they, the school doesn't want to have a bad rep. They would rather treat their students, their black students horribly. Um, and especially like behind closed doors, you know, cause a lot of students don't talk about what's going on in classes or talk about the microaggressions they experience with their teachers. Um, and so the, the school's obviously not gonna address those things. Um, they were they were trying to protect the officer. You know, it's, it's you know, the adults, so, you know, Miss Lernois, I don't even know how to explain it, but like the power dynamic between the two, you know, it, I don't know. Yeah, but they were definitely trying to protect that officer and like they are now. <laughs> So what should they have done in that situation? You know, let's, let's help them out because some of your schools will talk about um, they didn't know, they don't know the, the proper way to do that. What should have, how should that situation have been handled? Melissa? Well, I mean, if they really had the, the well-being of the student in mind and, and knew that that resource officer had done something wrong, they could have said, to the mother that you know something happened and he was in the wrong now it's when you're keeping it it's like trying to try not trying to blame her but trying to make it seem like well he didn't do anything wrong it was just an accident when it was not hmm. so you think they're trying to show it as an accident i mean hmm. why else would they keep that from her trying they're if it was their reasoning could have been they didn't want to escalate the situation that's already escalated she has a concussion she's hurt by someone who should have been there to protect her so there's mm. that can't go any higher a mother's supposed to be upset that someone hurt her child she's she's trusting you guys to protect her child while she's not in her care so she has every right to be upset janice i see you unmuted what did you have to weigh in on so instead of the officer aggressively body slamming that child, I feel like a more calmer route would have been him getting in the middle of it. Like if the child was trying to be in some transgression, be maybe perform a fight, start something, I feel like if that was what he was trying to get in the middle of, instead of body slamming her, he could have gotten in the middle of like, backing away usually it's more so like a, a hand in the middle hand in between both of the situations like okay back up back up not more so just grabbing kids and throwing them on concrete 
let's promote the fact that it was concrete. Like there could have been so many other ways to help this situation. And if he had another officer with him, so if he was in front of the other kid and then the other officer was behind him stopping her, it would have been less violent, less harmful. The situation would have turned out completely different and they wouldn't be viral on social media platforms. What is the responsibility of, of, of a police officer? What are, what are you told their responsibilities are? Alex, what are you told? Um, for me, I know that the police are there to protect and to serve us. You know, they're supposed to keep us safe, make us feel safe and secure in the situations and places that we are put in, um, like at school. Um, I can't remember the exact words the attorney said, but they were put there to protect our kids but he's the one body slamming them on the floor. Mm. So mm. it's kind of not really there for what they're standing for. And I think that if you were to look around at, you know, this happened in Florida, right? And if you were to look around um, California and even closer to where we are in Elk Grove, you will see these type of incidents unfolding on your campuses, right? Um, and I think that the biggest issue or the one of the things that I found to be true of most of your school districts is that there are no policies in place to delineate between law enforcement and administrator responsibilities. Um, where was the on-campus security? Why did it go to police? In my understanding, there were two girls in a fight or they were about to fight. So if they were supposed to match uh, force with force being exhibited, um, I think that no, there's no way you can justify what we just saw uh, with him picking her up off her feet and slamming her head first into the concrete. Um, but these are things that are happening uh, in multiple school districts, right? And so what do you think about the fact that there are really no policies in place? As a matter of fact, uh, I, I sat with uh, Miss Allegra and we helped co-write the policy here in Elk Grove Unified because they didn't have one. So what we're seeing, this particular district in Osceola, Florida does not have one either. They don't have a policy to protect the kids that are left in their care. Is that a problem? Trinity, is it a problem? Yeah, for sure. That is that is a big problem. There's no there's no bottom line. There's no rules that or regulations that the the police officers have to have to follow. Meaning that if there was an incident incident like this, there's nothing that we could fall back on. There's no there's nothing that we can look back on and be like, you know, they violated this, so that you know this this is why they should lose their job because of this policy. They violated this policy. Um, I know Elk Grove is one of the tops, the top districts in Elk Grove with, with um, disproportionate dis discipline rates in Black students, um, and I and I go to a school in Elk Grove Unified, and it's very unfortunate, um, it's very sad, and I and I've and I've been in multiple discussions with district officials, um, debating whether or not there should even be police officers or SROs on campus, um, and I and I don't think there should be, to be honest. So yeah. And I think that you're entitled to that. Janice, you unmuted. What were you going to say? I was going to say that it's like a large disconnect present when it comes to schools and policies that they have and things that they have set in stone to protect their students because it is us students who set the high GPA rates for kids to parents to want to put their kids in your school. It is us students reading the books, doing the assignments. So it's as if it's kind of, schools are very unappreciative of some of their students, even some of their African-American students, because we are the ones who, who most of the time, sometimes we succeed the most. We go the hardest, we get the, we get the best grades. So I feel like it's very much a disconnect with administration and students and parents. And it also doesn't really completely fall on the administration, it also comes sometimes falls on the parents of, okay, well, why aren't you looking into this? Like, why aren't you looking into the well-being and um, policies of the school that you're going to let your child attend while you are not there? You're not there supervising them. You're not there to be able to protect them. You're not there to be able to speak for them. So there, it falls on both, both playgrounds, but it is still more important for the school because if you are operating this school, you should have policies to protect this school and the people attending the school. 
So I, I think I lost you at the end. You said it, you're you're saying that the parents have a responsibility to be checking in on these campuses and and on um, within the rules or what is what rules are present um, and and what rules need to be probably revamped, right? And what I can tell you as as an education advocate, they don't make those things easy to find. In terms of policies, the best way or the best thing you can do as a parent and as a student is to read your student handbook. But some of the minutia, the the details are not easily um, found, nor are they, um, you know, presented in the simplest form. I'll say it like that. Um, so if you have a parent who is working, you know, to provide for their families, a lot of times we're not doing that that background work because we're assuming that things are okay, especially if we put them in a specific school district who has a reputation for good education, not knowing that we're sending our children into a hostile education environment. So, Melissa, <laughs> is it a problem that there are no policies uh, in most districts for how um, SROs are to conduct themselves when dealing with children, because you guys are children? Do you find that a problem? Of course there's a problem because these parents are trusting schools to take care of their children while they cannot and to get a good education and if you're not going to protect them why are you going to trust them to give them a good education why are you going to trust the schools at all if they aren't there to protect your children so of course that's a problem rich you've been quiet what, what are you thinking what are you thinking about this um I mean, when I just think about it, it's kind of it's kind of crazy to me to kind of, you know, talk about accountability once you watch a, uh, an adult slam a child uh, into the concrete, because um, you know it's just even if we're just looking at it on on simple grounds like you know treat treat people the way you want to be treated like if if he has a child like no one or even if it's just a younger member of your family like you don't want to see them be treated that way, so you know like like um, like you all were saying you know it's up to you know the parents to make sure that they're checking in. Uh, wondering what policies they are. People need to be educated on what policies they can look into to protect their kids because um, all that is real important because like you said, there are no rules for SROs um, and unless we're aware of the policies, uh, the policies will kind of be makeshift. Yeah, and I think that it's it's incumbent upon the adult and, and you don't even have to be a parent. You can be a concerned community member and want to know what is going on in your schools. We are absolutely taxpayers too. We are absolutely taxpayers too. And if we're not going to, if they are not going to respect our children as autonomous humans, we need to start thinking about pulling our kids out of these districts. We do. If it comes down to keeping our children safe from um, certain schools who refuse to put in accountability measures, um, certain schools who, who um, don't want to acknowledge how racism plays a, a, a part in those discipline numbers and those biases, like we have to have the conversation. So Trinity, you mentioned that Elk Grove is now number one in the state for disproportionate discipline of black children, um, specifically black boys. Um, what does that say to you about the uh, leadership and the accountability that has been put into place here in this district? They don't care. It's either they don't care or they're ignoring it. Oh, hold on. <laughs> they don't care or they're ignoring it and the and little brothers want to get into it. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I, they don't they don't care and they're ignoring it. I feel like, you know, it's all part of if you think about it, like the policy layout, there's nothing that has to do with inclusiveness. They, they leave us out intentionally. And I think it, and I think that's like the baseline of things. You know, when you think about like the student handbook, there's nothing that talks about what we can do as students. You know, it's always discipline this, discipline that, you know, and that's discouraging to students. Um, you know, it's really, it's really hard to like talk about like my school district, you know, being, being the number one in disproportionate discipline in California, like for black students. Um, you know, I don't even know. <laughs> and the crazy thing is they were number three. Um, Sac City Unified was number one. 
three years ago in 2017. So I've been fighting with y'all school district here in Elk Grove Unified for three years, talking about they need to spend some time and some dedicated resources addressing this problem of disproportionate discipline um, to which they gave us makeshift, oh, let's just throw everybody in a bucket and we'll fix it for all people of color. All people of color aren't having the problem. So until we can figure out how to be uh, specific with our approach, and do it with intention, we're gonna to continue to see numbers like this. Um, and I don't know if everybody has had a chance um, to look at that report that just came out last week, suspending our future. If you have not had a chance to look at that, please go and get that, go get that. Because there is no way that Elk Grove should be number one when Los Angeles Unified uh, has almost seven times more students, right? We have a problem somewhere. And if we're not going to approach it with intentionality, it seems like we don't need the people in positions that they're in and they should probably move. You know, I was gonna jump in and say that like, I, you know, I'm, I go to the district meetings, I go, I talk to like the Student Equity Council of Elk Grove and a lot of the times they, they, they make the excuse that they don't know, you know, like we said earlier, like they, that they don't know. So I was talking to one of the district officials and they were saying, you know, they don't understand why why the summer school grades were so low for black students. Um, for last summer, you know, when the, all the protests and the George, you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor stuff was happening. And I was like, maybe y'all should look into that. Like maybe y'all should pay attention and realize like what affects seeing our people be killed by the police, being body slammed by the police, being, you know, being suspended for no, for little, little, little offenses. Like, you know, that, that, that takes a toll on your, your mental health. And it's important to realize that. Um, and Elk Grove Unified continues to say the same thing. Oh, we don't know. Or we're putting the Arbinger training in place and putting all these trainings. But also those trainings are also not required for teachers. It's optional, you know. Come on now. And even, and even like even the, the trainings that they have at our individual schools, staff, staff, I hear all the time that staff are talking through the meetings and like, you know, not even showing up or showing up 15 minutes late, missing the content. And then on top of that, they have they have people that are teaching or training these teachers or these admin that aren't qualified to train the, the certain subjects that are that they're talking about. How is a white teacher going to talk about the black experience? That doesn't make sense, right? You know, like how are you going to tell me what I went through as as a black student? How are you going to tell black students, you know? what they're going through. You're a white person. You will never understand what it's like to be black and to be inside black skin. And they have to start there. They have to start with, with you know, holding themselves accountable and talking about these trainings that they, that they so-called are, that are effective. And you know what, I'm gonna even say it. They have nothing that, that can hold teachers accountable. There's no teacher report card from these trainings. It's you go to the training and you go back to you go back to class and you're supposed to implement these, these, these things that you learned at the trainings. But there's no, there's no accountability from that. You don't learn, you know, there's no checkup. Like, oh, are you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, a, it's a, yeah. <laughs> so let me, let me just do this really quick because uh, I just have to make one correction. Arbinger, I believe is something that is required. However, that is mindset training. How are you going to have a mindset training when it is a heart issue? If I can't even get you to admit that the kids who look like me are human beings, it don't matter what they do to your mind if your heart is not right. And that's what I've expressed to uh, your board here in Elk Grove multiple times. It's a heart issue. There are people in positions to, in, in teaching positions that have no business being there. They have no business being there. And I saw one of the comments, uh, I believe from Ms. Donetta, uh, she said her grandson's assault happened here in Elk Grove Unified. That's a problem. I believe he was he was about nine years old or eight years old when that assault occurred. A teacher or an admin picked him up and lifted him off of his feet and, and dropped him to the ground. And so you have this, this kid who has been dealing with people who have been openly hostile to him. And then he goes to another school and anybody standing over him or anybody treating him a certain way, he clams up and they see that as disrespect. We have to talk about some things. Yeah, black, uh, Families of B Black Students United, if, if you're in the building for that, I'll be there because I want to know what, what is going to change because this is, this is my thing and I'm a little bit more uh, skeptical 
when you tell me that something is being run through the district, that means that they have the ultimate say so of what goes on. Um, I'm supportive of that effort. Um, however, um, I'm not supportive of being silenced or uh, marginalized or people telling me that I can't do what it is that I want to do. That's that's a full stop. So, oh, yeah, let me correct. That was not an administrator. That was a teacher who lifted that young man up. Um, and it was also a teacher. Uh, he was a straight A student and she began to target him. She began to isolate him, take his recesses away. Um, when I went in there to talk to her, she told me that this nine-year-old was baiting her. And I asked her how long she had been teaching. She told me 20 years. And I said, how does a nine-year-old bait a seasoned teacher? And she said he was asking her too many questions. So being inquisitive as a black child is baiting to a, a seasoned teacher. Can I, I want to jump in on that one because I had to switch classes because I had a teacher who told me that I asked too many questions and I was disruptive within her classroom. So I got switched out of class because anytime I did ask questions, it was a problem. It was a, why are you asking so many questions? We need to get on with class. I want to know. Uh, there are a lot of kids and us children, we like to know. We want to understand, and sometimes it's not as easy for us to comprehend with how they're just teaching it, throwing a little salt on it. No, I don't. I don't want just a little salt on my my teaching. No, I want to know what else is in it. Is there garlic salt? Is there seasoned pepper? Is there pepper? <laughs> like, I don't want to know. And so, come on, Judy. Like as if we don't matter. As if it's just like. And then when we catch an attitude for them trying to dismiss us, that's a problem. We're sent straight to administration. But how about you try and peel back levels of your teaching? Why is it that your teaching has no room for correction? Why is it that the way you administrate this school has no room to be changed? fixed or formed, reformed. That is a problem. Why is it that there's just no room for correction within school districts and within teachers? That is sad and that's not okay because some every student is different. Every student needs different assessing. Every student needs different teaching and every student learns a different way. And if teachers can't change to that, can't you know correct how they teach to that then they are not they should not be in that position you should not be in that position if you don't have patience if you don't have time management to where okay well let me fit the rest of this lesson in here after they ask questions like no you have to you can't just teach a kid and be complacent well okay I understand you okay okay no explain go into detail and it's like it's just such as if it's sad as if we're always dismissed for some reason maybe because of the color of our skin maybe because of how intellectual we are and you guys aren't are afraid for us to access our fullest potential but as a teacher you're supposed to help us get there not hold us back can i jump in i saw um miss gray put in the comments um she said you guys have the right to file a complaint they don't tell us that they never tell us that we're able to to file a complaint. My school, um, they have, I'm going to tell y'all, um, they have um, a complaint section on the website, right? Um, and I was talking to some of my SEC advisors, Student Equity Council advisors, and even my principal at my school, I believe, um, if I'm wrong. I don't, I don't know if he was there, but they told us that they didn't want the they didn't want to publish the complaint section because they were scared that students were going to misuse it. They were they were afraid that students were going to complain too much or they were like, you know, be irresponsible with it. And that's a problem. They don't tell us that we're able to complain or even have restorative circles. This is why we go to Miss Lorene. Like, y'all, like we this is why we don't we don't deal with like the school, you know, complaining at the school because they don't listen. We just go to Miss Lorene. <laughs> and and that's why we're here to bring light to all of these things because right. it is not okay we shouldn't be dismissed we shouldn't be ignored we are all human and we all bleed we we all <laughs> so that we shouldn't none of us should be treated different but the thing is the way our society is we are we are we're we're last we're treated differently, we're looked at differently, we're looked at oddly, and that isn't okay. But especially in the school system and with the systems that are in place to lead black men from going to school to being in prison and to being a cell inmate, that isn't okay. And we need to talk about it and it needs to be talked about, it needs to be assessed and what is done in the dark needs to be brought to light. Facts. Melissa, you quiet, mama. Yeah, what what, what you gotta say? I'm agreeing with Janice 100% how she said that everyone learns differently. Yeah, everyone learns differently. How is he getting in trouble for asking questions? What is he at school for? 
You're the That's teacher. what I asked. <laughs> what is he at school for if he isn't there to ask questions? You're the teacher. You need to you need to accommodate to your student. And it's like we get in trouble or we get we get in trouble for being smart, but then if we're if we're if we're failing or we drop out of school, they call us lazy. So it's like where what, what, what do you want us to do? We can't drop out of school. We're lazy. We can't succeed because then you're holding us back for recess like that nine-year-old. That's, it's unacceptable. And not even holding us back from school. We try to stop going or maybe if we go late, they try to send our parents to jail. So it's like, it's deeper than that. There's letters sent and all of that. Like it goes way deeper than like that's just the root but it also goes deep for trying to send the parents to jail and all of all of that other etc things like excess stuff yes that too yeah yeah and i, I think i think that with... you go ahead yes please please i was about um, to i was about to pick on you because you've been sitting there looking <laughs> side to side <laughs> <laughs> um i wanted to hop on what janice said you know with how um, I want to talk about the school to prison pipeline a little bit because uh, Janice started to tell it with, you know, they're taking mainly black males, you know, they start getting suspended at a higher rate or they're kicking them out of class, you know. And so that's starting the curve of I don't want to be in school, you know, I don't want to be here. I don't want to learn this. You guys aren't here for me, so I'm going to go out and do this. Um, and, you know, they're suspending them at like five times the rate of the student, black students that there are in school. And, you know, from, I think so many suspension, suspensions, you know, they get written off um, and then they start along this, the criminal path, you know, juvie, prison, all these types of things. So I don't, are, the people in school aren't there for us, you know, they're trying to brush us off. It feels like they're pushing us off onto the, the suggested path or the path that most black kids go down nowadays. Um, and I think that they're not even aware of it or they are and they're doing it intentionally. Um, I'd like to say they aren't doing it intentionally but I don't even think that they notice cause they're not there for us cause they're not doing this for us and they're pushing us aside. It's pushing us towards um, bad things to come. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like providing like maybe um, some form of solution to that, not solution to that, but you know, resolution for the always trying to push off the black student, always trying to get us to be quiet. Why is it never a teacher asking us, are you okay? Do you need for anything? Is there anything going on at home that's um, affecting why you're learning this way? Why you're continuously um, making noise in class, kind of being disruptive. Why you, you're not, we're in distant learning. Why you're not having your video on, video on. Why aren't you questioning? Why aren't you turning in your assignments? Why is there never just, okay, well, I'm going to give you an F and you're going to fail this class. And you're going to have to retake it and you might not be able to graduate at the end. Why is it never assessing, okay, why aren't you doing this? Like you never like assess our minds and it's just like, maybe it's because you don't care about us, but it shouldn't be that way. If you're a teacher, a teachers are they're, they're carers. Like you're supposed to help your student. Allegedly. 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 And that's not okay. Like if you're going to teach, you need to sign up for all of it. I'm going to help this student. Let me see what's wrong with this student. Even if it's one of the students that you can't stand, that got a smart mouth. It doesn't matter. They're still your student and you're still their teacher. So you still should be there for them because you signed up for it and you get paid for it. But that's not how all teachers think. And that's a problem. You're right. You're right. I believe in, uh, I heard somebody else say this the other day. They said connection before correction. If you have not built a relationship, it's going to be harder to correct whatever you feel is going wrong. Right. And so we have to be very, very clear, you know, with what it is that they are supposed to be doing and what it is they're supposed to treat you like they treat their little white children in their classes. You're supposed to get every opportunity that is given to the other children. There's no reason why you all are at the bottom of every category statistically except discipline. There's no reason for it other than you have people in positions who don't give a damn, period. That's what it is. And we have to call that out and we have to start demanding changes, not asking for them, demanding them at this point because I've been asking for three years and now you need to start getting rid of some of these toxic people, period, point blank. That's what needs to happen. And we need to stop asking for it. And that's why we need groups like the Elk Grove Parent Coalition to listen to what it is that you all are saying. 
and to get behind this message. It is not safe for you all to return back to school without policies in place and policies that are already on the books being enforced, period. Like, I don't understand why there's this big disconnect between what was happening prior to COVID and what they want us to willingly let you go back into. Vaccines are no. Vaccines are not. There was a problem before COVID. So when are we gonna get to the solutions for those things? And then we can talk about our kids going back onto that campus. What's going on with your teaching core? I'm tired of equity being a, a selling point. The word is a buzzword at this point. What are we doing? I'm sorry, I'll keep going on, but y'all go ahead. Because I, I think that these people are, are just, they, they've lost it. There's a disconnect in your education system. I, I don't understand how they expect you to go into hostile environments and still be the, your be beautiful, brilliant black self. I don't understand. Somebody explain I, it to me. I, I, I really don't either. And it's just like teachers and, and all of my periods, I'm asked, are you coming back when school comes back? No, I'm not. And multiple reasons because of COVID, but, but most, re most of the reasons are because of this these things, these these policies, these ways, and certain teachers how they just go in, teach the lesson real fast and be out. Why is it that that is how you do it? Like there needs to be connection because you can't correct me, correct my behavior, correct how I'm responding to you and correct my tone if you don't even know who I am. You don't even know how to address me properly. Do you even know how to say my name correctly? I've oh, been in how long and you can't, Janice, it's Janice. Let them know, let them know. Cause your names are not hard to pronounce. I don't care what they say. They just don't want to. They want you to be, you know, second class citizens in their classrooms. And I'm not okay with that. So I don't want you to submit your complaints to them. Send them to me, we'll address them. But I think what Ms. Jenny was talking about was a federal complaint. That means go over their heads. That's what that is because I don't think that they're going to do right by you because I've seen it and I've been asking for it. And I've been coming in there. We've had over 60 cases since I started doing this and they'll give you a bone to try to shut you up. But their problem is I never went away. I keep coming back because I'm never satisfied. We ain't free until all of us are free. And if one student is have a problem, then everybody's still in it. And that's what they don't get. What can adults do to help you guys on your campuses and, and to uh, support you? How, how can adults help? I feel like adults being present where teachers aren't, because there's a lot of the times, especially like what you were saying, Ms. Lorene, how before COVID these problems existed, but now because of COVID, problems are harder. Parents have gotten laid off. Parents haven't had haven't had the access that they did to work, to jobs, to money, to be able to get us all the things that we need, some of the things that we desire. And it's hard going to school, wanting things or yearning for things or not being able to have the basic necessities that we need and functioning within our best way. But teachers don't talk about that. They don't ask about that. That, that needs to be asked about. And then for the parents who are willing to be there, who are willing to come in and step in and be the the um the. It takes the village to help raise us children, like being there, asking us how we're doing, asking us if there's anything we need. And even if it's not materialistic, but emotionally being present, do you need help with your work? Is there anything that I can break down to you in a different way so you can help so I can help you understand it in a way your teacher didn't? Stuff like that. That is what parents who are present, who can be present, can do for some of us children who are having hard times within these school districts. Thank you for that. Melissa, how can adults help you? I agree with Janice being there for us, making sure that we're okay, because living while Black is a task, and then it's it's a challenge. You have to worry about not coming home at the end of the day, and that is not something that, it's something that Black students have to deal with, and they're bringing that, that fear to your classroom, and they're bringing it back home, and so they aren't able to function, and even if they are, they're still 
living in fear. So asking, are you okay? And like when the um, the George Floyd murder happened, they did not ask the black students, not at least not in my school. They did not ask if we were okay. They did not ask how we felt. Did we see this? They did not acknowledge that it happened. They did not acknowledge that the black students may have the small population of black students because that's a whole different story. But they did not ask if we were affected by this because of course we're going to be affected. They did not ask how we were doing. They did not, they don't care about us. So being there for us and making sure that we're okay, making sure that the, because the world, it's going to go on whether we're in school or not. Things are going to happen whether we're in your classroom or not. We're going to be affected by the things that are happening to us and our people, whether we're in your classroom or not. So if we're in your classroom, you need to respect us and need to make sure that we're okay because we're black, whether we're in your classroom or not. Thank you for that. Trinity. Um, I'm agreeing with what everybody else says. I think, you know, the simplest um, thing that parents and, you know, adults and allies, anybody that, you know, wants to support us can do is just um, be there for us emotionally. Like everybody's saying, you know, ask if you're okay. Um, and then like for us students that are, you know, you know, advocating for the others that, that can't or don't want to advocate for themselves, you know, being there for us uh, and supporting us, you know, because it's, it's hard to, you know, call out your school district, you know, you might face like backlash from that or whatever, or backlash, if you will, um, from that, you know, just being, you know, just being supportive. I think that's, that's, that's the bottom line. Yeah. Or somebody who reassures us, because it's not a lot where we get the reassurance that I care. I don't know you, but I care about you. I care about if you get this education. I care about what goes on when you get home. I care. And if you need someone to talk to, I'm here. So I feel like it's also reassurance that a lot of us students don't get because a lot of students don't know. A lot of students don't have hope. Out in this world, as a black man, there's chances that you'll die tomorrow riding in the car when you get pulled over by an officer. That's the chance. So it's just like some students, they just think, well, eventually, if well, if eventually I'm going to get killed, then what's the point in trying to school? And that's the mindset and mentalities of some kids. So I feel like it's mm. being like to let that one child know. I care. The one child who was close to being like, okay, well, I'm just going to go get in these streets because I'm not doing good at school. Letting them know there's a hope for you. You can do it. You are smart. You are intelligent and you are important and you matter. That's something yeah. that people can do. Yeah. Lex. Yeah, I was going, I want to go off what Denise said, you know, be that supportive parent that um, your children need, especially self-worth. That's a big thing. Um, especially because even nowadays we are kind of shading our own people sometimes. Um, and so, you know, if we can kind of rebuild that confidence in ourselves and our own people, you know, your own children, things like that. Um, then going out at school, you know, because right now, you know, we go to school and we're like, okay, these teachers, they don't like me, you know, they're not there for me. Um, but, you know, when you go home to your kids and you tell them, hey, you're, so, you're, you're worthy, you know, you're, this is not, you can do it. They go to school, they're like, the teachers aren't here for me, but I'm here for myself. My parents are here for me. I can do it. You know, this is going to be a breeze. I don't need them to be here for me as long as I know I'm here for me. And as long as I know my parents are right behind me, you know, they have that, like, okay, let's go, let's do this, you know. And it's not the, it's not them against the world. It's them, you guys, you know, the people who love them against the world. So it's kind of like an extra step, like a boost up on the ladder that they kind of need that I feel like sometimes we're not getting right now but I think that's definitely something we all need so when we go to school or any other type of environment environment but now since we're all really young school is really that main environment I think that 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 courage or that step up that we can get from our parents is really needed I agree like I said and I wanted to kind of jump on that real quick because like also being in community like parents promoting to your children that okay, have you have you said something nice to someone at your school today? Have you checked in on that friend who you knew was doing hard and was having a hard time in class? And like knowing and connecting people with other people, knowing that, for example, I know that if there is any issue I have at school, I have Miss Loreen behind me to help me. I can call on her and I can, I can ask her and I can let her know about it. So also letting people know, oh, well, I'm in this support network. For example, we have, there's BGSN, BBSN, allies to abolitionists you can have your kids join you guys can join for people to know there are people who are here for you there are people who can support you people who can guide you through it and people who have been through it so also giving people an extra hand when they need it i was gonna say thank you for um, that. yeah 
Go ahead. Oh, just really quick. I was just going to say for everybody to continue to educate yourself and every and educate other people. Spread the word on, you know, the statistics that, that you heard today. Um, even that, I forgot what the program thing is called that Miss Lorraine plugged um, earlier that just came out with the discipline rates. But continuing to share that, like, the information, because a lot of people don't know, you know, even people, even Black people, like, some people don't know like what's going on and we have to continue to spread the word so that we can, so that we can, you know, end this stuff, you know? Um, so continuing to educate ourselves and educate others is another big piece that I would say everybody can help in. And thank you for that because it's important that folks know that there are resources out here to help them. Like Janice mentioned, um, our support networks and Rich, I'll let you um, talk about the uh, BBSN and BGSN collab meetings that you guys host. Um, just kind of give them uh, the days that you meet and how they can get in touch with you. Absolutely. So yeah, we have our support networks, uh, BBSN, Black Boys Support Network, BGSN, Black Girls Support Network. You can see it on the tees. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So then um, we meet every Monday now at 6 o'clock p.m. We have a meeting coming up in the next couple of hours. Uh, we have a great time. We, uh, we get on there. We have topics. We talk about, um, actually, I saw it in the comments a little while, there's no single program to promote Black excellence. We do that. Um, so at the end of the day, um, that's exactly what we do. We have topics, you know, we go into breakout sessions amongst the boys, amongst the girls. You know, we talk about everything from, you know, um, um, emotions that we may be feeling distance learning, you know, inside of COVID, we're feeling a little bit distant. We're not having any uh, um, um, interactions. So uh, we're a little less isolated on these calls. You know, we're there for each other. Um, when I first found out about the support networks, you know, I thought about what I needed when I was in high school, when I was going through the emotions, when I was in college. Um, and definitely just having a group of folks to just talk, uh, to just kind of put that all out there. You know, everybody's got a big homie in the group, if you want to put it that way. Um, and it's definitely um, and it's definitely a good thing. So we have a lot of fun there. Uh, you can get a hold of me at rdavis um, at bylp.org. Uh, and we'll give you some more information on the support networks. Thank you for that. And um, just so you know, we don't... Um... We are totally open to anybody who's listening. Um, we have, uh, it's virtual. So anybody, regardless of where you're located, you can join um, these, these calls because they are for our children is to make sure that they are able to be in community. Not only do we have the Black Boys and Black Girls Support Network, we have uh, the BYLP Allies to Abolitionist Support Network and they meet every other Sunday. Is it every other Sunday, Lisa? I can see your face. You can't see me. I mean. Yeah, so I think it's every other Sunday and then the adults meet uh, the third Sunday of the month, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, and then we have the Black Parent Support Network. So if you are a parent and you're looking for other parents to get in community with, um, the Black Parent Support Network, uh, you can find them. On Wednesdays, I host a Black Women's Support Group. Um, it's called the Dora, after the Dora Milaje from Black Panther. So come and be in community, uh, Black women. Uh, we need you in the door. Uh, will be starting soon. Uh, that is the Black Men's Support Group. So there are places for you to get in community with, um, but there's one more announcement before we end. Um, we have our, um, Jada, do you have that graphic of the open house ready? Can you uh, put that up, please? So while she's doing that, um, there are multiple programs that BYLP offers to the community free of charge. We have our GOAT program, our goals, organization, applications, and transcripts. And um, that's every third Saturday. Um, they are on maternity leave right now because our facilitator had her baby, uh, but she will be back in April. Um, but um, in March, we are hosting our 21st annual legislative open house. Um, that is something that has uh, been our flagship program and we are looking for your students. So whether um, you're here in Sacramento or someplace else, if you want your children to learn about the legislative process, how bills become laws, all y'all know that as California goes, so goes the rest of the world. So come learn from California staff as we take you through the legislative process and we're virtual this year, which means anybody can join. Um, and the first 100 students to um, sign up for that, we are going to send them a special package in the mail. 
So whatever you would have gotten if you saw if you came to the Capitol, this is what we're going to send to your house. So make sure you register. All the information is available on our website, www.bylp.org. Um, if you have a complaint, like the young ladies over at St. Francis who hit us up earlier today, if you have a complaint and you want us to get on your administration, please, please, please hit us up. Uh, we will be joining them on Wednesday for their uh, action at their school. Um, so make sure uh, this is the legislative open house. You, you just go, go ahead and scroll. Um, but if you're in the area on Wednesday and you want to stand in solidarity with the young ladies over at St. Francis, um, their Black parents um, and their alumni are hosting um, a, a press conference on Wednesday about the incident that involved blackface on that campus. So there are numerous ways that you can get involved um, and numerous things that uh, we are here to help you with. Um, so if you are experiencing any issues on your campus and you want us to get involved, again, we have a complaint process on our website. Um, just go to the complaint process, girl. <laughs> And you can find it on our, uh, our our main page, but the complaint process is here. It goes step by step what you need to do, get us involved so that we take care of all the um, permissions within your district to let us advocate on your behalf. So without uh, further ado, we'll go ahead and we'll uh, stop sharing screen right now. Um, young ladies, would you like to tell everybody uh, goodbye? And we'll see them next week for another Goodbye. edition of this sport network. What'd you say? Goodbye, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next week. Girl, we were supposed to do it all together. See, you know, <laughs> see ain't, it, ain't it always the new ones that come in and, right. and try to do it their way? Right. <laughs> right. So on three. <laughs> so on three, we're gonna just tell everybody goodbye. One, two, three. See y'all next Bye, week. Guys. Bye guys. Bye guys. Bye. 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 Bye.